We're fair. Uh, let me think of a, a way to... Let's just... All right. Well, here we are, the Neil and Jordan podcast. If you've just started listening then, Jordan and I had a bit of banter before, hence the, hence the laughter that's just ending. But um, yeah, it's just a terrible start, terrible, awkward start to the podcast. It was a really depressing conversation just being like, gambling. Yeah. It's just... It's so evil, isn't it? Mm. Anyway, should we start topic. the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the exact wow. opposite of what you learn mm. when you start getting invited or, or just do lessons on how to like host a talk show or be an MC. Yeah, really. It just, does not put us in a positive mindset, does it? <laughs> no. Thinking about all that immor- immoral behavior. But anyway, it's good to see you, Jordan. Morality. Yeah, it's nice been a while. A lot has a lot has happened. Uh, you're you're being sued by Clive Palmer. <laughs> yes, yeah, that happened. And uh, bring it on, you fat cunt. He's not going to do it. He doesn't have the balls now. I think that what's happened is because probably I probably just can't him. see the balls because there's too much fat covering <laughs> <Yeah>. them. Hey, <laughs> oh zing! Has he ever? That's the th- I've seen photos of that guy young. I don't know if that was guy... He, how is that guy fuck? Was he ever... Was he skinnier when he was younger? Are <laughs> you talking about like age? Yeah. Don't you think? A, the energy. With B, hookers? who? I don't know. Oh, he's is a billionaire. He, he, he Does he have a family? Yes. He okay. married... It's really creepy, actually. He married his best friend's wife who died. So it's kind of like he's living vicariously off his best friend and just going like, yeah, I'll just continue on with his life then. Wow. It was a weird relationship. Okay, well, put that, which I'd like to put an inter- invitation out to Clive Palmer if you'd like to. Uh, I'd like to mediate <laughs> a discussion between <laughs> you and Jordan if you are interested. <laughs> but you can check all, all the details of that out on uh, on Jordan's channel. He did a really fantastic video about that. Uh, but in the meantime, we are going to be talking about relationship structure. We touched on this in the previous podcast about. I don't even remember. Neediness. Yeah. And we got to it at the end. So I want to preface this conversation first by saying that I think it was almost exactly two years ago I came to you. We were were here in Burwood. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, So two years ago we were getting lunch and I was talking to you about my very immature relationship problems at the time. And you brought up sex at dawn and you brought up polyamory and all those ideas that I'd never really been exposed to before. I always just thought, oh, it's some sort of hippie thing that people do on the fringes of culture. But it's actually a relatively mainstream idea that's uh, doing the rounds at the moment. It goes in and out of fashion. Does it? Yeah. Okay. Well, like in the 70s, it was big. Oh, in that And sense, in the yeah. 20s, it was big. It just yeah. it moves in and out. It, basically, the it's relationship... It's a cycle. Yeah, sort of. Mm. Because... It goes through this cycle of monogamy's where it's at, and that's what's happening now, I think. Sure. Is that that's moving back that trend of, you know, you're more efficient when you're monogamous. And, really? Yeah, what, what, go on. Isn't polyamory the sort of trend right now? All the books? Well, you know, society's kind of just so fractured and how it works. But I think that what happened is that polyamory started to get big again during the noughties. And the reason it started getting big because of the noughties is because chat rooms started lurking up. So it was right. just easier to do. Right. Because you could find more people in it. By the way, for anyone who, who doesn't know what polyamory is, it is the... Uh, well, it's, uh, it's where you can have multiple sexual partners. And there are different variations of that. I know there's hierarchical polyamory and 
a few others that I I don't know the exact terms, but the essentially it's uh, you can you can just bang whoever you want, not whoever yeah, you want. Yeah, well, but close, close. Yeah, you can bang more people than just one. Yeah, that's that's the perfect way to put it. You can have sex with more than one person, mm-hmm. and theoretically that sounds great. It's got its drawbacks. Yeah, so that's what I really am interested in because you were quite pro polyamory when I spoke to you two years ago. Oh, and I still like, look, I think it makes sense. Sure. I really do. Okay. But I think that in the modern world, monogamy makes more sense now. I think that what human beings were designed for was polyamory. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. But you know why marriage started, right? It was just a legal contract. Like, there there was never any love in it until, I think, the 1800s. Then it started becoming romantic. Romantic love had no, uh, there was no concept of romantic love in in marriage. It was just... (laughs) a way to tie families together, a way to pool resources. Yeah. Women were seen as just property. So, yeah. you know, I'm going to I want to own this bird for now. So weird thinking that you were wedded to someone for life, like this legally locking contract mm. for a chicken. And even... <laughs> I don't know. Don't you reckon there was, it was a bit of point? It was just a chicken. I think it wasn't there more than that. Well, like if there was like lords and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. If, you're, if you're really poor, what did you have? Your best things point. would have been... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You had a very small blacksmith business? I don't know. Yeah. What would you have had back then? Is I know really... in India, d- dowry is still a big thing. So, you, you know, you need to give the, the woman's family a cow or something. Still. Oh, that sounded so casually racist, especially from me. <laughs> like I don't know, I a cow or some shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, whatever they do over there. <laughs> 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 is that is that still like okay? But is it is it is it because they're giving it because it's like a gesture at this point, or is it still just more about legally binding property together? I, I would not know. I think it's a gesture, but I would not know. Right. I know the the middle and upper classes. I don't think they do it. I think it's still mainly the lower classes in India that still do the dairy. But again, I. Yeah, I do not want to speak. I do not know. Yeah, because my Pakistani friend, he's like, he's saying that still in Pakistan, it's very much about tying families together, and that's why it's still so yeah. common to fuck cousins there. Yeah, and now it's starting to really bite them in the ass because you can sure. do that for a few generations, and then it starts really well eating I... at the features. <laughs> look at the royal family; they're all rangers. Yeah, no. um, I know in India, yeah, well, arranged marriage is still very popular. Yeah. And it's still the main, I would guess it's probably the main form of marriage that my parents were arranged. My parents were, my grandparents actually weren't. Well, one of my set of grandparents were arranged and one were not. Because apparently in, in that period, that would have been in the 50s, there was, a, there was a popularization of love marriage for a while. And then it went back to arranged marriage. Wow, fast. Something like that, yeah. I don't know exactly, but yes, the point is, uh, I always just, I just thought it was the norm that you would marry someone and just be with them your whole life. And that was the, the sort of the moral and dignified thing to do. But then some of the things you told me and some of the books you told me to read, mainly Sex of Dawn, but then I also went and did a bit more research into it, really uh, blew my mind. At some point. It does, we, doesn't we've, it? We've it scares you. Yeah, it scared me a lot. And, and we spoke about it on the Evolution podcast as well. But I'm definitely... I never really thought monogamy was natural, but absolutely it's not natural. You know, it's... I don't, I don't know anyone who could actually argue that it's natural now. Mm. It's not really... 
you know, some people will say we're innately, we, we, we pair bond and that's our main way of forming a long lasting relationship. But I'm still not convinced because if you look at all the tribal societies or the ones that are non, uh, not agricultural, they, they're very polyamorous. Mm. They don't mm. have these monogamous sexual no. bonds. No. So, yeah, I guess the, the main discussion I was hoping to have in this podcast was more about what, what is the most optimal way to conduct yourself romantically and sexually in the modern world that we live in. Look, I am just going to argue that it's monogamy. <laughs> but I under okay. but well, I, well, I what don't... changed your mind because two years I remember and I remember you said this exact same thing that just blew my mind as well. Your girlfriend was in America, and you were talking about polyamory, and I said, "Oh, so what? You wouldn't care if someone slept with her?" And the way you dismissed it was just so you were just like, "Yeah, I wouldn't care at all." <laughs> and I just I was just in shock. And to this day, I still remember. That. <laughs> Are you I still, still shocked that. two years no, later. I'm not shocked oh now, my God. but uh, I just. <laughs> The way, it was the way you said it more than anything. Because, dude, that's what I, I... I came to that conclusion as a result of thinking about it because, yeah, the stock standard thing because of what you see constantly portrayed in media is that if someone cheats on you, that's the end of the relationship. Mm. But then you read about all of these women that have broken up because usually it's the guy that cheats. Well... Two to tango. It's the guy that usually admits to cheating. And women are just <laughs> a lot better at hiding the fact that they've cheated. But mm. uh, usually that happens. And then the woman divorces or breaks up with a man. And then in survey after survey, it shows that over half of the female population, when they're asked, Do you, did you want to get a divorce? They kind of say no. And then they say, well, why mm. did you get the divorce then? It's and they the say, because it's accepted. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing to do. Yeah, there's, a, there's outward pressure from friends and family. You have to do that. If you have self-respect, you have to divorce this person. That's pretty much it. It was just, it came, which is really scary that, you know, you dismiss the love of your life because of an image. <laughs> but that's what happens. And so I was thinking about it more. And then I was thinking, now that I've read all of these books about what cheating actually means, hmm. nah, I wouldn't be that mad. It, it honestly wouldn't, it, I really truly think that it wouldn't irk me. It would irk me if I got a sexually transmitted disease. That'd suck. But, yeah, that would. <laughs> but other than that, I think that it's not, it's, it's not this death sentence that everybody thinks it is. Because what are the reasons that people cheat? First of all, the main reason that men cheat is because we're just programmed to yeah. have sex with a bunch of different women to spread your seed. It's just sexual novelty, really. So, so, yeah. So there's no, there's not even a concept of love there. Mm. When it comes to women, the reason that they normally cheat is because they feel emotionally neglected. Mm. So it's kind of your fault, is what I'm saying, <laughs> if sure. that happens. But at the same time, you know, like some women just have like a narcissistic complex or whatever, and there's other, there's, there's, it's not as cut and dry as like, that's okay. But. A lot of the times when someone cheats, it's not for the reasons that you think it is, and it's not because the person doesn't love you. Yeah. These are not these are the things that you're taught, but it's not the reality. Yeah. It's not necessarily a reflection of you, whatever their actions are. It can be, like you said, it can be my issue, if it were to happen to me, I would ask the question, you know, is is the reason you're doing this because there is some flaw in our relationship, or is it just because there was some guy that you wanted to root? Mm. <laughs> and then mm. I probably I don't know I've never been in that situation I might care but 
theoretically, yes, I don't see an actual problem with that if it doesn't affect the primary relationship. Mm. Because if, say, for example, the purpose of the relationship, if you're married with kids, then the purpose of the relationship really is just to have, you know, the optimal environment to raise children. And if someone, if, if you know, if, if they fulfill that role and they're raising the children well and you're both, you know, doing what you need to do in that part of the relationship... Then if someone goes and does that, who like it doesn't actually affect the relationship. No. It doesn't affect how well you're raising the kids. It doesn't affect the bond you have between each other. Again, very theoretical. Like, emotions are very tied into this. So I don't know how I would react emotionally if yeah. this were to happen. Yeah. But I can see now that on a sort of rational level that it doesn't... There's no. It, it would depend on a case-to-case basis by mm, mm. assuming that it, it wasn't a reflection of a poor performance on my part, then I don't see an issue with it. Yeah, there's really, there's a a huge component of cheating that comes down to the other person's own personal demons and that relates to, there's, look, I could go on about this for ages, but I'll just really quickly summarise it because yes, that's true. We've got time. You're right. It's a fucking podcast. You've gone for 10 hours. Um, like there's, there's, um, there's, look, there's a thing called, I can't remember the, the psychological term that they use, but I just remember the metaphor that they use of waves, islands, and anchors. Um, and that's the three types of people that there are as a result of their upbringing and how they react in relationships. Because essentially the way that you react in a relationship is mostly just modelled off of what you saw your parents relate with. Mm. So I think that a huge demon that I struggle with, because both of my parents were divorced, and so their whole life, all of my imprints of a relationship is them going, how could you love someone for 20 years? Like, you change all the time. And on top of that, like, it's just boring after a while. I've never met anybody that's happy in a relationship anyway. They're always bitching to me because they think that I don't talk to both of them, but I do. So I hear them both, and they're both not happy in it. Just get a fucking divorce. That's like my whole childhood <laughs> is is that upbringing, oh, right? <laughs> and so as a result of that... You were like the psychiatrist. Yeah, of course. If you are a single child, you will know what I'm talking about. If you are, if you were from a divorce household with a single child, that is the the role that you were assigned, psychiatrist. And they that's heavy. You never For a young think about child, it. That yeah. is, that's that's pretty heavy. <laughs> yeah, isn't there a thing called emotional incest? Yeah, where yeah, it, it's so dark, but it is in a weird way. Your your mother is using you as an emotional partner. Anyhow, yeah, but this is the thing. Yes, it sounds and and it is. It's it's one of those thoughts. It's another one. Like why I like talking about the concept of reality, and this is part of that as well. It's just Mm. all of these things when you first hear them, Mm. it's very shocking, and then you process it a little more, and then you think, no, actually, you know what? That makes more sense. And like, of course, that's just how the world is. Whatever, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, when it comes to mums, yeah, essentially what happens a lot of the time in monogamous relationships is that the mum is not satisfied by the husband because in this the world that we live in is not anything close to what nature intended, which is for us to just grow up in a tribe, um, all the children just be pulled together and then the mm-hmm. adults take turns looking at them and then they go out and gather and shit. So like basically the, the children are just like mm. the tribe's children. They're not yeah. Yeah. they're not 
you know, mum and dad's kids. Yeah, the, not nucle- their the nuclear family is a construct. <laughs> <That's> Man. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> the most... <laughs> Fuck. How the most Triple J SJW thing I've ever said in my <laughs> no, life. It is! Bro, but at the same family, it's just a construct, man. Like, <laughs> bro. Oh, fuck, this whole thing is just Triple J hack, isn't it? But it's it like, is. So when were you polyamorous? When <laughs> <is> it... <laughs> what do you think about it? <laughs> I think it is... Look, yes, that's a definite... That's, that's not natural and that's what happens. And so in that relationship, the dad, because they have to work all the time. Mm-hmm. This is your traditional nuclear family because sure. they have to work all the time. They're mm-hmm. absent. The mum is usually a housewife. She doesn't have much outside contact. And the dad is, you know, not only physically unavailable, but usually emotionally unavailable. And that's when affairs start happening because they actually spend more time with their secretary than they do with their wife. And then on top of that, um, when the husband gets home, he's physically exhausted, doesn't have time, doesn't, doesn't know how to relate to women anyway. The woman doesn't know how to relate to men. That all happens. And so... They start allocating the emotional needs of the husband onto their children. It's such a grim but very real portrait of suburban class family life. I hate it. I hate it. It. it I never oh, want to be it's there. It's scary to think about. <laughs> it's so true. The only good oh. things about suburban life is having a dog and a trampoline. Oh, Everything my. else sucks. Jeez. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> you know, talking about what we were before, which was that the idea of romantic love wasn't even didn't even coexist with marriage until the 1800s in Western society, and in many cultures it still doesn't. Because um, Romeo and Juliet was a satire. Was it? Know? Yeah. Romeo well, it was Juliet, supposed to be a comedy. It was supposed to be a satire of love. Yes. I didn't know that. When you, and then don't you think when you hear that, you look at it and you think, yeah, wow. Like he was saying, look how stupid this is. Are you serious? Well, I don't know if that's exactly what he said. Because, dude, I'll I be honest, I've never read, read it. the mind of Shakespeare, but... But oh, it can? was. De- I'm. I'm fairly certain. You know, someone can fact check me on this. But it was intended as a satire. All right. Think well, about it. Like, oh, where are where art thou for? What is it? Wherefore art thou, Romeo? These these two like overly emotional young teenagers that end up killing each other <laughs> because they're so in love. <laughs> it does sound absurd when you think about it. How funny is it as well? It's the ultimate troll. Yeah. Virtu- there's so many teen movies that are based off Romeo and Juliet now, and, and there's just all these hack writers going, yeah, but Shakespeare thought it was cool, mm. so I'm going to make this really serious, sappy, mm. deep romance. Yeah. And so, it was a joke. Yeah, that, that's exactly <laughs> it. Love was seen as a very childish emotion. And was it? Yeah. And it makes... Look, okay, I, did, yeah. I, I never thought about this before, but go on. And, yeah, and, and, and to get... Because uh, I'm reading a book now. It's The State of Affairs. Esther Perel, she's really good. Um, she talks about how in a lot of uh, marriages, in, you know, years gone by, the only place to actually fully, uh, gra- you know, obtain romantic love was through an affair. Yeah. So it was almost, look, it, wasn't, it was just seen as the normal thing to do. If you wanted to experience love and those sorts of uh you know euphoric emotions you would actually have to go outside of the primary marriage or the primary relationship mm, to mm, do that mm. which does make sense because it's something you were talking about i think to me when we had that conversation two years ago which is that after two years the love dissipates in most relationships anyway mm. yeah well it's that the love takes a different more mature form as in sure. the the biological hormonal part of love dissipates yeah. which is is it love 
or is it just you want to fuck him? Well, that that's the sort of love I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't know any other Duh. love. What <laughs> what kind of other love is there? Is that love? You just want to fuck someone? <laughs> I think, dude, honestly, you know, you know who I'm really into now because, again, like you, I'm very fascinated in romance books, hmm. and the ones that I'm starting to vibe with now are the really Christian ones, and hmm. they have this idea all the time of marriages and love. It has. It has a cycle, or not even a cycle. It just has like a, a winding, twisting path, mm. and it's a myth that you have of the they happy they lived happily ever after. It's just obviously because they're Christians. They're just like no matter how bad it gets, even if he beats you, you just stay there, you stick it out, and you pump yep. out kids. But it's just based on the God. <laughs> yeah, it's all a growth exercise. That's yeah, that's well, it. to an extent. I mean, that's a better to me. That's a. Uh, that sort of a mentality looking that's looking at marriage with that mentality would be better than just seeing it as oh this person completes me this person is the right one for me whereas if you look at it as okay we're two people with a union under god so an idea greater than yourselves that means you don't you know you don't put your needs first you put the needs of the relationship first mm. so in a way you can see why christian marriages on average, last long a of lot longer, course. and of course that that also begs the question: Well, how many people are just drastically unhappy in these marriages, but because of the pressure of the religion, they can't end it? Well, in fact, I was what uh, there's this great book. It's it's got one of the best titles that I've ever seen. It's a it's a divorce lawyer's book, mm. and it's called "If You've Entered My Office, It's Already Too Late." Because there's so many yeah. people that go to the divorce lawyer and they just think, I'm just thinking about a divorce. What is it? And she says, dude, just write the contract now. There's no way it. you're going to... Yeah. <laughs> he said he's done about well over a thousand divorces in his time. He's seen yeah. a turnaround twice. Yeah. That is abhorrent averages. One in every 500 marriages can turn around mm. at that point. The statistics are very grim. Um, I think 50% of marriages, or somewhere thereabouts, 50% of marriages in the Western world fail. Yeah. And... And this that divorce if, lawyer... My guess would be if you don't include religious marriages in that, it would be a lot way higher. Way higher. A lot yeah. higher. Well, so, that's what the, the divorce lawyer <laughs> is basically saying. Yeah, he thinks that of those... And so of that half that stay together, he thinks that half should end, but they just white-knuckle it. That's the Chris Rock joke, isn't it? Where it was like, if 50% of marriages uh, fail, those were just the people who had the courage to end it. Yeah. Imagine all the cowards who stuck <laughs> in their <laughs> Oh, oh, and so speaking good. of, yeah, because everybody said that Chris Rock's Netflix special was terrible, Tambourine or whatever it was. I never watched it, but then I was just, you know what it's like when you're on tour and you're yeah. just like, well, I did one show today and that was an hour, so the next 23 hours are a write-off. I've done what I, like, that's all the work I need to do. So true. It's, it's fucked. I hate it. Mm. But then, uh, but at the same time, it's mad because then you just do a bunch of stoner stuff like watch crap netflix comedies but this one actually wasn't and oh really you like tambourine no i mean look it's the same thing as always as soon as they talk about trump it's just like okay fast forward and yeah, sure. now he's talking about his wife he, he had the the commentary on his marriage was interesting i thought don't you think yeah it was very truthful and it actually reminded me why chris rock is a good comedian because he's just very good at summarizing truth into nice little sound bites. Mm -hmm. One thing that haunted me that he said was that 
is it the one the really famous well the 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 line that has been popularized from that special is that uh women and children are loved unconditionally but for a man to be loved there has to be a condition that he provides something yeah now that's dark it's dark but it's i I think that also it's just because it's from his perspective there is definitely conditions to love for women first of all you have to be able to reproduce sorry (laughs) that's <laughs> and second off, you've got whoa, 10 whoa, hang years. on, hang on. Well, are we talking about romantic, just romantic love here? Well, there's an element of it. Don't you think? This is the other thing that's dark about all of these ideas is that if you just buy into the fairy tale and then people just go, no, the reason the woman is orgasming is so she's saying, I'm on heat so other men can come and fuck her while you're fucking her. That's the reality of why they scream sure. while they're orgasming. Yeah. And so when you think about stuff like that, you go, Jesus, this is, <laughs> I don't know if I want to know that. And so I think that this is another thing of it, right? It's just that, yeah, there's this idea of two people come together and then they're they're happy and they're married for the right reasons. But at the end Uh of the day, there is definitely, not always, but there is a real ambience of status to the whole thing. Oh, oh, in that sense, yeah, sure. In that, like, women will not marry generally. There's some women that have low self-esteem. But this is the whole thing. If you have low self-esteem, you will marry down. Yeah. But if you are a woman of high self-esteem and high value, there is no way that you are marrying down a class. Mm-hmm. You are marrying upper class or equal. And that's why so many women are uh, unmarried now. Yep. They want to find a good man, but there aren't any good men out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's just became like a, an Oprah show right now. There's no good men. But it, it, <laughs> and I love no, it. But the statistics actually, well, I can't remember where I read, but there's all that talk of the man drought and things like that. Yeah. Uh, and there's some, I can't remember where I heard this, but on dating websites, when they asked men to rate, uh, a sort of sample size of some of the female profiles on a dating website, uh, they, uh, they put 50% of the women as above average and 50% as below average. So a, an even spread as to where the average would actually be. Whereas women put something like 95% of the men as below average. No. <laughs> they considered 5% Holy of them above shit. average. <laughs> so their actual it's average is grimmer. completely off. <laughs> I don't know if it was 95 and 5, but it was, it was a very uh, disproportionate yeah, but that's t- that's amount. Not, yeah, that's not close. Yeah. <laughs> that's really... Because no. that means... Okay, so 1 in 20 guys. Because I always thought that it was 1 in 5 guys that's desirable. But then now when I think about most of the guys like I know, it's website. just like... I mean, yeah. how many... True. Be on the dating website. <laughs> yeah, if you're on eHarmony, <laughs> come on, give up. Yeah, I've looked at. By the way, we've done six podcasts. I've looked at the statistics. Uh, guess what our gender ratio is? On this is on the Spotify listenership, so maybe it's different on YouTube. But oh man, it's the same as that ratio. That I, it's ninety five percent men, five percent women. Well, it's better than what I thought it'd be. <laughs> oh, there you go. Like, did you did like did you think it'd be fifty fifty? No, I definitely didn't think it'd be fifty. I was thinking maybe I don't know, maybe seventy five twenty five, but no ninety five five. So well, I mean, like shout out first... to the five percent of women listening to this. We really appreciate you. And uh... yeah, good for them. Me is that <laughs> well, I really appreciate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you speak for you. Uh, that, that's look. It can't be. It can't be expected otherwise. The first three podcasts had a different title of. I don't know, just like uh, uh, decision points or something like that. And then fucking 90% of it was us just being like, dude, have you been in a threesome? Do you want to be in a threesome? How mad would it be to fuck two cheeks at once? That's what I'm getting at. 
<laughs> so of course. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe it was 75, 25 of the first one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it dropped off completely. Probably bad. Look, this is my... This is, this, yeah. well, for, I don't have the stats. You know, they, you, you, for the 5% listening, message us. Tell us if we're... Uh, if this is too locker room talk for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to improve. But the thing yeah, is that... it's not. The, the, uh, I, think, I think in general, though, that from, from what I gather from mm-hmm. talking to my female friends, mm-hmm. and I put that in brackets, um, they... The way that they look at a relationship kind of confirms the data. And it's the same as like, because, okay, when I talk to you about relationships, because you've read in the realm of relationships, you kind of look at it from like a removed perspective a bit. But when you talk to guys in general, it's, it's, it's very predictable what men and women think about a relationship. Sure. So what does the average man and the average woman think about a relationship then? It's always the same thing. It's always just this, like, look, it's exactly what you would expect. It's always just men looking for hotness women looking for status and they will mask it and they will deny it men won't deny it they'll just be like yeah would be mad if she had tits but like women will always deny that point and i don't know why that is what, like and, and you can very quickly disseminate it because you can always just say this to them would you date a homeless man if he was a genius so like a van gogh or something like that the answer is invariably a pause and then yeah but that pause says a lot. They're definitely not going to do that shit. Mm. They have to be at a certain level in their head, right? And and it's sort of, I think that this is a, a lot of it is just moving into the the realm of how narcissistic this generation has become. Mm-hmm. And I think that again, a lot of women have like this perspective in their head that they're worth more than what they are, and it's the same with guys as well. And that's why like there's the, these marriage marriage and sex is declining in general because they just think mm. that they're worth more than what they are. That's but, just, that's just to pipe in on that really quickly. That one is really interesting, isn't it? Because well, we're more sexually liberated now than ever. I don't know, maybe the 60s. Maybe. Like, people were banging <laughs> heaps, but <laughs> actual rates of sex have gone down. Mm. And of course, there's a lot of that is to do with porn. So much to do with porn because it's just so easy. And yeah. uh, let's be honest. Most of my sexual experiences, my hand did a better job. It's, it's like, really, a, lo- a lot of the time you actually need to be with someone who knows. This is the whole thing Damn, that people don't understand. Don't this is what's mad about. Maybe I need to have a sexual experience with your hand. <laughs> if, it's that, if it's that good. I'm <laughs> well, your hand doesn't do a good job. <laughs> oh, it does, but I can't say it's ha- I've had the best sexual experiences with my hand. Not the best sexual experiences, <laughs> but it's up there. It's sure. definitely, it's definitely wow. top five. Mm. <laughs> Because oh, I think that like a lot of the time, it's the same thing. It's just like, look, when it comes to any of this stuff, if, if you want to be in a long-term relationship, first of all, know that the odds are against you. And, and the main reason that the odds are against you is the same reason that most businesses close down. is because mm-hmm. most people don't study what a successful business entails. Mm. They just set one up and mm. they borrow a heap of money from a fucking bank and it runs out and then they're gone. Mm. And it's the same thing with relationships and it's the same thing with sex. All of these areas have books so what then do you think is the best way to conduct yourself in this day and age to be monogamous or to be polyamorous or does it depend on 
who you are as a person and who your partner is and what you actually want out of the relationship. Look, I always, I hate that kind of idea of just like whatever floats your boat because there is definitely things, people always, it's the same thing with drugs, how some people always just go that, yeah, I can focus well on drugs and maybe that might be true for a really tiny percentage of the population, maybe just for some random reason, ease, level out the chemicals in your brain okay. and you just self-medicated in a way that just worked out phenomenally <laughs> yeah. for you, good for you. But the vast majority of people, it doesn't. And I think it's the same thing when it comes to there. There is the legal reason that people were clumped together. Hang on. So how how is taking drugs? So are you making a comparison there between drug taking and 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 not being able to focus or you know not being disciplined or whatever it is, and then having multiple sexual partners and the same thing? Yeah. Well, yeah. Inadvertently, and yes, that is what I'm doing. Okay. Uh, but that that yeah. Now that I think about it, that's probably the way because. Look, I mean, there's an actual chemical when a drug is in your mind. There's a you know a chemical imbalance. I don't. I'm not an expert on drugs, but there's clearly something that goes on chemically within you. Which is what happens with sex. Yeah, but a lot of those things can be like positive, right? Yes, they can be positive, and there's a lot of medical release that says that if you have sex more often, you are going to be a happier person, and on top of that, you're going to be a healthier person. Yeah, definitely. That's all true. The problem is. This idea sure. that is sold of, you know, people that just have this like pump and dump lifestyle, just bang them and leave them, just having a hundred hot bitches. Some people have that lifestyle. Some people do not I, have a connection with those women. Yeah. But they're called sociopaths. Yeah, yeah. But Most I, people, huh? But that lifestyle is, is, can be separated from like the idea of polyamory. But this is the question. It, when you have sex with somebody. Yeah your brain gets chemically restructured. There's just that's, a huge yes. flow of oxytocin into your brain. Very true, yeah. sure. And what it's doing is saying, that's a partner. Mm-hmm. Essentially, it's saying, it's like, that's a woman, you just had sex with her, impregnated her, go back to her. Mm-hmm. That's what happens in your mind. Okay. So every time you have sex with someone, and everybody has examples where they say that... You get, um, the, you get the hit. You get the hit, and there's sex addicts that... Again, sex addicts, their lives is ruined, but the thing is... There's some people that you will have sex with in your life and for whatever reason, that oxytocin level won't release and then people go, well, yeah, I've had one night stands before and it was fine. And yeah, usually as a result of that, actually, it's because you had drugs that night and then you ended up fucking someone and there was no oxytocin to release. Sure. But most of the time when that happens, there, there is some kind of bondage that happens between you and that person. Mm-hmm. So if you are constantly releasing that chemical in your brain mm-hmm. all the time, preoccupies you a lot on top of that the fact that you even have to get the person in your bedroom mm. there is a lot of work that goes into that in fact my friend who there just got be. tinder that's true there, <laughs> there can be depends. it depends on your circumstances but and but uh, it was such a good quote it was just like fuck okay. boys should be paid a salary because <laughs> it's just it's a full-time job oh that yeah if you want to be a player yeah it does take a lot of your time but Going back to what you were talking about, um, don't you think a lot of men in monogamous partnerships would just seek out porn and be looking at other girls anyway? So they're yep. essentially getting that hit. They're not actually having sex, obviously. But if you're sitting there masturbating to porn, you're getting that kind of hit anyway. And that's true. And the ideal, and this is not, I, I don't think most men are capable of it. I'm not capable of it. The ideal would be to have that genius lifestyle of, you know, your Da Vinci of just being 
uh, a vegan that's into maths and art that's uh, also just never rubs one out uh, and only has sex to procreate. That would be the ideal that what you'd be aiming for, right? But I think that the closer that you can get to that, the more productive you're going to be in right. life. So you think it's a sort of moral ideal that you should aim for? Not just a moral ideal, as in like an ideal as to how much work and how good your work is. Because if you're constantly flooding your brain with different chemicals uh-huh. and you're having all of these different rushes, yeah. you're not going to be as focused as someone who doesn't. And that is why that there is this, this there's a very there's a very tenuous link between oh, sorry, not a tenuous link, like a very solid link between people who are in a monogamous relationship. Yeah. And generally, how successful that those people are going to be. Usually, people that are married, um, and and in a long term successful relationship, mm-hmm. because they're able to pull resources together for that period of time. And there's two people working on the same goal, and they can allocate different things to each other, and they're kind of on the same page. Mm-hmm. So it's essentially two brains, one person. But do you think because the cultural ideal has, has always been that that to to strive for monogamy that conservative and conscientious people would just be attracted to that lifestyle anyway yes it's not so then it's just the fact that those sorts of people are abiding by that but it's not actually that it's not it's not that lifestyle that is making them that way they're just that way naturally but the thing is people that have that mindset are going to do things that enforce their mindset they're going to be doing Mm. actions that move them in that direction they're not going to a conservative tax agent is not going to go out on a bush doof rave for seven days ever sure. in their life ever mm-hmm. they're going to spend that time doing tax and making money or whatever mm-hmm. and look this is the thing right this is where it gets into that if you want your life to just be this drug raved orgy and that makes you happy yeah you can do that but at the end of the day does it make you happy because at the end of the book the truth because neil strauss tried it all out this is what changed my, started changing my mind about it. He tried out all of the different... Yeah. Did you read it? Yeah, the whole, read it. You read yeah, the whole thing. It. That's yeah, right. He tried it all out. And at the end sure, of it, he yeah. just went, no, monogamy actually works the best for me. That mm-hmm. was where it kind of ended. But book. wasn't he sort of... In the book, he was going back and forth between two extremes. If you want to call monogamy an extreme, let's say hypothetically for this example, let's just say we'll call it an extreme because you're just focused on that one person for life. Yeah. He's gone from having this orgiastic lifestyle which is you know he's what was he doing he was having orgies in france and having a four-way relationship and then going into monogamy i mean that's not there's not that dichotomy when we talk about monogamy and polyamory for me anyway it's it's more uh it's a balance it's not like if you're in a polyamorous relationship you just go out every night and try to get laid that's true and again, this is the whole thing, right? When you're talking about a monogamous relationship, you could also be talking about men that have several mistresses as well. There's all of these things, but the well, yeah, general and then you wouldn't, I wouldn't. That, then that's not monogamous. Yeah, it's not, is it? Mm. But on paper, it's monogamous. Oh, and that, yeah, I guess. But so I think it's the same thing when it comes to polyamory. Yeah, you can talk about the the spectrum and the range of it or whatever, but it's just what I think about is what is going to be the most effective for not just productivity, but in terms of just level of overall contentedness in Mm -hmm. life? Because that's what I'm really more interested in the older I get. You just realize that, you know, happiness comes and goes. Sometimes you're sad, sometimes you're not. Mm -hmm. The best thing to be aiming for is that real Buddhist thing in life of that Mm -hmm. flat line. That's That's what I'm digging now, man. Okay. Just no heels. 
You don't think... <laughs> just a straight footpath to death. Okay, but what about... Do you think suppressing the urges, that the sexual urges that will inevitably come up to want to sleep with different people, uh, the suppression of that causes more mental anguish than any uh, than any positives that would come out of just the ultimate flatlining, if See, you know what I'm saying. No, I do, and that's the ultimate question. And who knows? Okay. Because at the end, I think it really boils down to, I've, I've, I think I've discussed it with you before, but pretty much all philosophers have come up with four different types of people. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, there's been extensive brain study on this. In fact, it was actually started up by a dating agency. They just went to a... Uh, a a psychologist and said we want you to find a science to the perfect match and so she started looking into it it turned into a five-year-long project she wrote mm-hmm. this amazing book called why him why her it's one of my favorite books of all time mm-hmm. but she was saying that there's four she can pretty much determine what type of person you should be in a relationship with based off what the main chemical going through your brain is so it's either testosterone estrogen serotonin or dopamine and if you are of dopamine, if you, if dopamine. So dopamine is just about constantly seeking fun stimulation. That's sure. what dopamine does in the brain, right? Yeah. And if that is predominantly what goes through your head, monogamy is not going to work for you. The problem, the, the tragedy with people with dopamine, they have a very fun life, but it's also feel, fraught with tragedy because of what I was saying, right? Like, mm. it's it's kind of just how the universe works. If you have huge peaks, you have huge troughs. I think that's how a dopamine mind works. Okay. So it depends on what kind of a person you are. So for instance, I've got a testosterone brain. Now, everybody thinks that that means they're like, oh yeah, I'm a masculine jacked up guy. It actually just means that you're kind of autistic. Like you're just obsessed with like a couple of subjects and you're just really into those subjects. How do you know, where do you find what sort of brain you have? Okay. Or is it just you've just discerned that from your character trait? I was just discerning from my character traits because okay. it's very, it's very. Look, these are the four character traits, and it pretty much explains everyone on earth. Testosterone, obsessed with a few subjects, uh, really into fine detail. That's my whole career is that it's just being obsessed with self help, obsessed with politics. I've just burrowed down into that for ten years, yeah. and then told people my findings. That's how I make a living, essentially. Um, a really good example, uh-huh. and then estrogen is somebody who's very concerned with other people and they're interested in a lot of different people who are high in testosterone not really interested in other people they're interested in ideas they like talking about ideas and yeah. so they like being around people that can discuss ideas sure people that are high in estrogen just like people so they don't care what the ideas are they're just it's like your classic kindergarten teacher just going like that's okay. a nice painting they're, so that's most women most men are testosterone most women are te- estrogen clearly right yeah then yeah. the other two outliers is serotonin. Serotonin is the flat level thing in your brain. So it's the thing that makes everything in your mind flat line like a Buddhist monk's. Sure. Those people are really into organization. They like having a lot of networking. They like, they like a lot of connections. And actually, the way that I see you, I would imagine that your brain is more serotonin. Because to me, you seem like quite a relaxed person. Relaxed is probably not the best word. Like even-tempered. An even-tempered person. And I think that you... Uh, are, are like more organized than most people are. You like plans. Um, that's that type of a human being. Okay. Dopamine are like usually highly creative people. A lot of musicians are dopamine. Okay. Really, they have obsessed with drugs, just anything that makes things fun. They're a really fun person to hang around Don't with. we all have uh, a, just a varying amount of those chemicals going yes. around? Yes. So, but one of them is based predominant. On our, and based on lifestyle factors, those can actually change. 
Yes. But how much look, of it is just genetically predetermined? Don't know. But okay. the, the thing is, if you look at your life, yeah. you're pretty much the same person you were when you were five. You might have had different interests. You might be more cultivated. You might know more things. But the essence of it, sure. you've probably got like the same, unless you've really worked on it. And even then, you probably just naturally revert back to what your traits are, right? You're probably, in terms of the type of person you are, the same person that you are now. Do you think that's true? Uh, yeah, that's, when I I'd, think I'd probably have to uh, go back and you know reanalyze myself at five. But... <laughs> so I think yeah, just... I think I've had the same sort of traits my whole my whole life. There's been major life changes and directional changes and 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 sort of changes of mindset. But the person personality type has probably yeah, I'd say it's probably stayed relatively similar well in the time that i've known you that's pretty much it it's just in the time that i've known you i've seen that you've just become more cultivated but in okay. terms of the person that you are that hasn't really changed okay because i knew you when you were 19 and like yeah. talking to you is pretty much talking to that guy except for you've read more books that's <laughs> <laughs> when did yeah. We, oh yeah we met at that chinese restaurant did we yeah something like that yeah and so yeah, you're the same as well. Don't you think it's just like it doesn't really it does it never really changes much. Hmm. And it's the same as when you go to school reunions and, and all this right. kind of stuff. So like yes. So so basically based on you based on this personality type and the 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 primary chemical you have in your brain, that will determine the optimal relationship structure for you. Relationship structure that you should be in. Sure. So most people are in testosterone or estrogen territory. Now they reverse. So a good example of that is the Clintons. Bill Clinton, high in estrogen. That's why he was extremely popular. And people... Really? <clears throat> so... Man, even with the sex scandal, uh, Kent Starr, his whole job was to destroy Clinton. That's, that was his entire existence yeah. throughout the 90s. He would say, I was paid and genuinely believed that Clinton was a bad man. I hated Bill Clinton every second that I was awake... I dreamt about how much I hated that man. When you meet him, he's all charming and yeah. Plays in that, the, in the five minutes that I met him, he was a legend. You know? can't really do that. Can you do a Bill Clinton impression? He's got that smooth. Uh, Kent, oh. how are you? <laughs> you found any more of them incriminating <laughs> doctrines? That's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> I did not have sexual relations with that woman. <laughs> he's got or a he's I? got a really good yeah, accent he's, as well. He's a charming man. He's a charming man. I'll give him that much. Hillary Clinton mm. is not. Hillary Clinton is she's, very she's not a charming man. No, she's not. <laughs> Fact. <laughs> All the conspiracy we don't know that. saints. Uh, have you a seen man? that Sasha Baron Cohen show? Uh, what's it called? Who is America? Yeah. Where he's that uh, Philip Roddick Jr. and he's uh, he's that sort of southern uh, conspiracy theorist guy, and he gets a photo of Hillary Clinton with this sort of crease in her pants. Yeah. <laughs> Explain that photo there. She's got a penis. And then the guy, it's this, this Republican senator that's like, look, I know her. She's, she's a woman. She's a... <laughs> I, I disagree with her politically, but she is a woman, okay? <laughs> oh. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, my, my thinking on the subject is also with the technology and the, 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 you know, the way of life that we have today, it is harder than ever to remain completely faithful to one person. Oh, yeah, true, oh, true. Social media, just the resources we have. The, the, the Culturally, it's not seen as 
uh, you know, it's not looked down upon to go and have casual sex and but, things like that. But way easier to be found out as well. Yeah, that's the other thing. True. So then, what's the po- so then if it's that easy, I just don't see it as a. I was talking to a friend about it a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying, "I don't necessarily." If I don't need to go and sleep with other people, that's fine. But I wouldn't control someone by saying you can only ever sleep with me because that just seems like a very almost an authoritarian thing to do. And I know, I can't believe I'm even saying this because two years ago I would have been like, man, this guy, what a cuck. This guy's <laughs> the, the biggest cuck ever. But that, and to he me is. now, he is a cuck. yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but like to me, yeah, yeah, like what? To me, more of a cuck thing to do, or not a cuck, but like a weak thing to do would be to place your value as a man in the, you know, the, the virtue of this woman that you're seeing in the sense that, oh, you're devalued as a person if she goes and does something that society disapproves it's of. It's pretty pathetic, isn't it? Yeah, that to me is like a weak thing. It's a weak state of mind. And it goes back to the neediness thing. It's that so needy. Yeah. So why, to me, it's just, if you're fulfilling the role of whatever that primary relationship is, so if, you know, to me, I wouldn't really get in a very serious relationship unless I thought, okay, this person is someone I could see myself, whether it's marriage or not, you know, see myself being a life partner with and, and having kids with. So if they're fulfilling the, the role that they need to do, for, if we're both fulfilling that role, you know, we're taking care of the kids, we're giving each other the time of day and the intimacy that we need, then on top of that, if that's all been fulfilled and, you know, in, in most situations, there's no time left in the week to actually then go out and do anything. But if there was a situation where you could somehow organize, I don't know, hypothetically, each person gets like a night off once every fortnight or something like that. I, do not, I really don't see an issue with that. No, I don't see it either. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just seeing it from a perspective of productivity and uh you know, because the thing is, the other thing that I found very interesting in the Neil Kohaka book, and I think you're right about that. Neil Kohaka book. Oh, fuck, That's fuck it, Neil man. Strauss. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had all those orgies. From the book of Neil. <laughs> um, he was saying I'll that, write a book one day, I think. What, just on fucking... I don't know what it is. I, do, I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll write a book one. I think you will You will too. No, nah, I, can't, I can't do it. It's too long. You will. It takes will, too long. Of you will one day. Well, if you have all this discipline and you're not doing all these other, getting all these dopamine hits, you're the best candidate to write a book then. That's true. Like me with all my serotonin and and (laughs) dopamine going through my brain. (laughs) I think... I won't be able to focus. I think you're... No, you you would be able to focus with the serotonin. I I think you are serotonin. Look, you'd have Mm. to read the book to figure it out yourself. Yeah, I'd be interested. Um, But the... The difference is when it comes to... You're saying I don't have testosterone, bros? <laughs> <laughs> man, look, let's get in No, the, actually, I was, was going to pay out your shoes. Then I just realised they're very manly Get shoes. in the ring with me. See see how fucking little testosterone <laughs> I've got, bro. I'll bash you. Bruv. Oh, fuck. It's so true, isn't it? Do you? Yeah, I've started boxing. Yeah. And are you good? Uh, no, I just started. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh, so you just do that? Oh, uh, I do a bit more than that. Tybo Fitness. No, no it's okay. not. It's not a boxer size. It's actual boxer boxing. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Look, he was saying 
that there was a moment where he was in this commune and it sounded like a really ideal life. He was just in this wilderness commune. It sounded great. He was painting this amazing picture of yeah, how he was in this relationship bit. with yeah. all of these other people and they were just getting into really deep conversations every night and fucking during the day and it was great. And then one day, one of the dudes snapped and tried to mm. kill him with an axe. Yeah, but again, man, I just think there's there's not that... Dich- that dichotomy doesn't exist where it's just you're either monogamous or you're in this, like, com- commune where everyone's sleeping with everyone. No, but what I'm saying is, like when we were saying before... We think from our situations that we've just rationalized it, that okay. if the if my girlfriend didn't cheat on me, it'd be fine. But maybe it's not. Maybe I would go over to the guy's house and chainsaw him. Sure, yeah. You, Again, you might, like, all you those might. things I say are very hypothetical. I don't know. I've never been in this situation. Right. And so there's, there's that element to it. But I think in general, yes, you're right. And I think that actually the best book that I have read about relationships actually is Neil Strauss's The Truth. Because at the end of the day, it's just summarized by the title. It is the truth. And actually, the divorce lawyer says exactly the same thing. Because he says, the whole book is basically, I can't tell you how to have a good relationship, but I can tell you how not to have, I can tell you how not to have a good relationship. Mm. I've seen it all. I've seen everything of how it fails. And essentially what he's saying is that most people just buy into the narrative and that is the worst thing you can do. You have to be really honest with your partner. Yeah, And if you aren't able to be honest with your partner, are you mature enough to get married to that person? Yeah, that's and on a fair to- point. It's a fair point. Yeah. And on top of that, are you, if you're really having like an honest conversation, are you mature enough to be in a polyamorous relationship? Because th- th- there's more dynamics to it. It's that's difficult tr- enough true. in a monogamous relationship. There's always things that happen in my relationship over the last seven years where it just divvies in and out of, you know, utter happiness and contentness and then just, just like maybe I'll break up tomorrow and then it just goes back to being content and it, it has a different life. That's just with one person. But if you're in a polyamorous relationship, fuck me, yeah, that, it just sounds so exhausting. Sure, if you have multiple uh, intimate relationships, uh, I to me, I think, again, very hypothetical. I've not experienced the actual emotions of this, but um, having that primary partner and then... Yeah, having the se- the freedom to have like a couple of sexual experiences sounds nice. On the side, <laughs> <laughs> seems like the optimal way to do it. But oh, agreed. Again, That'd be I don't great. know what the actual uh, you know ins and outs of and the, the workings of that would be because I've never actually done. I would like to do one day. If any of those are five percent of women who listen to this podcast would like, yeah. <laughs> like to, have a, to have a polyamorous <laughs> relationship with a guy who's uh, high in serotonin. <laughs> yeah. If your idea of romance is planned. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Look, I Very think... organized. No, I was going to say something you said before. Yeah, so my thoughts on the truth of that, that, that first part of the book was fantastic where he was psychoanalyzing himself, himself. and the, 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 the how that sort of... Uh, psychological archetype relates to his relationships in in his future life and how that can be applied to everyone i thought that was absolutely fantastic and the way he you you relate that to the relationship you have with your parents brilliant blew my mind then the second and third or whatever those other parts were i don't know it was it was interesting it was engaging hearing his stories and his sexual escapades but to me it wasn't I love the guy. I think he's really smart. I I really liked the game, but 
it was like, okay, you can have all these sexual escapades, but the truth is, no, you should just be with one person. It was like, that, no, 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 that profound to me. That I, what was, am yes. I missing? Like, what did you get out of it that I didn't get out in that? Those other parts. Because essentially what he's saying is, and this is true, and this is why it's an endlessly fascinating subject, is because every... I think the line that he said where he said that whatever you want in a relationship, you Mm -hmm. will find a book that will justify your bullshit. Yeah. Now, that goes back to that concept that we were talking about before of what actually is reality. So at the end of the day, you're kind of just preconceived what your idea of a relationship is and you will find things that confirm with it. And so he said, essentially the whole point of that book was that he was going through everything and all of these fantasies in his head Mm -hmm. of what the best relationship would be. And because he's Neil Strauss and his whole livelihood depends on doing extreme things and writing a book about it, he was afforded the opportunity to do that. Yeah, And he had the skills from the game. And so he went through all of them yeah. And it wasn't a thing of like, uh, you know, monogamy is the best one. He was just saying that there is all of these drawbacks to the other ones. And at the end of the day, what is the truth for you? Now, that yeah, I know that is a very simplistic idea. And all, everything in self-help always is simplistic. But, but God, reading so many relationship books and just being in this cloud of, is it polyamory, is it, is it monogamy? Should, should you... Is the ideal marriage like a 25? Do you have to get married before that? Like all that kind of stuff. All of that kind of just dissipates. Yeah. And then you just realize like, have you even, right. have you even asked the person that you're in a relationship with? That's what you Like how, how, yeah. how much do you know the actual person and how much of that person is just an image in your head? Yeah. That's the thing that was deep about that book, which yeah. is that a lot of the time you're just projecting a fantasy onto that person and then get di- getting disappointed that they aren't that fantasy and then breaking up with them which is what happens in a lot of marriages and a lot of relationships. Sure. And so are you able to get to what's real? And I'm, I don't know, man, like I've been obsessed with that idea for the last two years of my life now. I'm really getting into that. It is truly that I should have been in that phase when I was 18. It's such a teen existential crisis, such a teen existential crisis thing of what's real. That book, I think, answered it more clearly than any other book that I've ever read on the subject. And it's Mm. true because you read any book on the subject. If you read Jordan Peterson's book on the subject, you'll think, yeah, monogamy is the way to go. If you read anything by, like, Taylor Durden, uh, and his whole life is just pick up, and he actually lives that player lifestyle. Obviously, he's going to sit there and say that, if you're not fucking 200 women a year, you can't be happy. You've got that many loads. You've got to get it out. Like... And, and it wants you to be in a different woman. And, and you're like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense too. But at the end of the day, you just got to, like... Again, you, though, that's just the two, it's the two extremes. Like, where's the, where's the middle ground? Where is the middle ground? That's, that's what, that's, that is what the truth was trying to answer. Where mm. is the middle ground? What actually works? Yeah. What's the truth of it? Because the truth of it is not going to be like anything. Anything in life, the truth is rarely ever comfortable. Mm-hmm. but it's usually interesting mm-hmm. and on top of that it makes you see the world better and you're able to exploit the world better as a result of actually looking at what's true instead of just having these ideas in your head of how the world works yeah that's very that's very true um the, the amount of you know the value we place on relationships now is 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 a lot 
and the book it that is. I'm reading now, it's called The State of Affairs. It talks about how it's almost got this religious fervor to it. The person that you're with, this person's my everything, this person completes me, all these sort of grand ideals of intimacy and romance. And your value is placed in that person as well, in the same way that, you know, historically that value would be placed in your idea, your, you know, your religious affiliation, whatever it might have been. But now we put all of that into this person. So when that person, if they cheat or if they do something that doesn't fit that ideal of, you, that, of what you have of them, it not only hurts the relationship, it hurts you so much because your image is so tied in to that image you have of that person, mm. if that makes sense. Mm, mm. And that's, that's pretty unhealthy, I think, when you actually take a step back and look at that. Yeah. I think that a really good accompaniment to that book actually is Jed McKenna is the Jed McKenna trilogy, um, and okay. the whole thing actually just boils down to, uh, yeah, kind of the phrase that he always uses is like "kill your Buddha," which is that thing of just trying to remove yourself away from that image of getting attached to things. And one of the best phrases that he has in it is, "If you." expect that everything someone does Mm. is part of human nature you're never going to be disappointed and that ties away it it gets away so much it it takes away so many layers just knowing that one thing that whatever someone does that's them yeah i know they think it's so much easier uh said than actually put into practice so much easier than put into practice but it's necessary and this is why a lot of other another reason that a lot of marriages fail as well is because it's kind of just it's usually because the woman is pressuring the man into doing it and the woman doesn't even want to marry the guy and the guy doesn't want to marry the, the woman but they do it because it's societally expected and then they go into the marriage and then it doesn't work and then they go into a divorce and then there's all these legal problems as a result of that mm. but it's basically because they, they liked the idea of marriage. They didn't like the idea of being with each other. No. Yeah. And that's how a lot of people see the world. And it's also the same the thing. The stark like, reality yeah. is that it's work. The stark reality it's is work. it's work. And it's never and it's and it's not a fairy tale. No, it's and not this romantic glorified idea at all. No. Can be. There can be moments of it. Oh, look, I don't know. I haven't had a twenty year marriage. <laughs> <laughs> You've had a much longer relationship than I've ever had, but but that's the thing. I think, yes, that relationship, the idea of just being able to pry off every now and then, that seems on paper the most healthy. Um, the question is, though, are you going to be in a person that is emotionally mature enough to be in that relationship? And are you emotionally mature enough to be in that relationship? And that's where I think the truth comes into it. I don't know if... I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd be mature enough to handle it. I, to, to handle... Uh... Your girlfriend potentially having uh, experiences with other people or you having experiences with other people? Both. I can see it both happening. Sure. Like, I, I think that the idea of like my girlfriend having sex with other men doesn't actually freak me out that much as long as I wear protection. Yeah. It doesn't annoy... It, it, I wouldn't be like, oh, kill him. Again, I don't know. Mm. But the other thing that also freaks me out is if I am having sex with other women... I think there'd just become a time where you just kind of think, "What this one's nah, better. this one's better," or like, and that that starts going in. And at the end of the day, is that true? Do you know? It, it's probably not no, true. No, no, of course, because you're only seeing their good side. You're only seeing point. their good side, and like, yeah, because you've been with that other person for four mm. years, and it's very easy to say, oh, "Okay, you can go and sleep with other people," but it has to be purely physical, because as you said, those chemicals will 
inevitably occur. Mm. So you will develop connections, especially women. Uh, they they develop bonds more than men when they have sex. Yep. Yeah. So and it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And so they but definitely then, will. And then another, but then there's that other school of thought with. I hate the word polyamory. First of all, though. Because don't you think just a... It sounds gross. It sounds so like hippie-ish. And, yeah. Oh, man. Just open relationship, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Yeah, so there's this idea that even if someone does experience an emotional connection with someone else and even falls in love with them, you can have that with multiple people and there's nothing actually... Again, that's not saying anything about you. The The traditional idea behind that would be like, oh, I'm a failure, you don't... I'm, you know, that's a, that's a that's an assertion that I'm not as good as this other person. Whereas the other school of thought would be, no, who am I to say that this other person can't experience love with someone else? Mm. And it makes a lot of sense because you can love more than one kid. But here's the other thing. Do you actually love those kids equally? And I don't think that your parents do. There's obviously going to be a favourite. And it's the same thing when sure. it comes to relationships. And so when I see those, uh, personally, I know because uh, I went to Newtown. Then does that mean you, does that mean you're uh, there's like a, a fear component that oh what if she sleeps with someone and finds someone that she loves more than me? No, because I actually have this very. I think I, I do know this about myself. I definitely know this about myself. Mm. I really have this outlook of life, and it's because I've really instilled it into my head as a result of self help of having mm. this principle in your mind that things happen for a reason because it just makes you happier mm. about life and it actually pushes you towards your goals think about it successfully. As a so the thing is that i have this idea that people just float in and out of your life and it's good for them and it's good for the other person or if not it's just like it's a it's a uh, it's it's a lesson or something but the whole Everything is kind of happening for a reason. Is that true? I don't know. But it's a good way of looking at the world because it kind of keeps you more sane even if that's not sane. Yeah. I think anyway. Yeah, I agree. And so, yeah, look, when it comes to relationships and stuff like that, I think that if a relationship ends, I think, well, there was lessons to be learned in that relationship. Mm. And it's definitely true. There's nothing... The great thing about a relationship is that while you're in it, it's yeah. kind of a test of how much you can give to the other person. Mm. And when you're out of the relationship, it's a test of how mature you as a person are and what you learnt about yourself. Oh, yeah. Opportunity to grow, without a doubt. It's There's very few things that are like that. And actually, the thing that's very interesting about relationships is I think that it is the most... Uh, it, it's, it's the scariest part of psychology is actually relationships. You're very vulnerable in them. You're very vulnerable in them. See every part of you, all your flaws. Yep. And, th- and the other thing is, because it's kind of because you are kind of in a relationship with someone else, those flaws are getting reflected back to you. And they're constantly saying, you're doing that thing again. And then you're just like, no, I'm not. And, and you're actually blind to that thing and you don't see it. Yeah. So how aware are you of yourself? Mm. That's why I like reading about these things anyway. Yeah, no, me too. All right, well, I think um, that's a good point to conclude our chat on uh, relationship structure yeah yeah if i if i ever experience uh you know an open relationship i will report back and tell you how i went i would love to know because cause... i would i want to do it uh i just need that i need someone to fall in love <laughs> with <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's why you're getting that russell brand beard going 
Yeah. It's the it's it. it's the it's the look, isn't I it? I have become such a hippie. I don't know how this happened. <laughs> It's the plants. Oh, yeah, the plants but that's, that's, that's a symptom. Body. That's uh, <laughs> I think yeah. I was a hippie, and then the plants just exacerbated <laughs> it. Because yeah, just as a quick final thought. But then I also hate hippies. Because <laughs> yeah, well, I like the 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 the, the idealized uh, the sort of the ideas behind it, but generally that lifestyle is just associated with usually like just laziness and yeah. just yeah. <laughs> so that's why I hate it. Oh, I, I completely agree. Mm. Um, but yeah, but, like, yes. yes, there's just a few, the thing is I have never seen from my own experience, a polyamorous relationship successfully work. And the people that are in it are usually insane. Sure. All right. I'm finishing and, on that. Okay. <laughs> I need to add something after you said yeah, that though, okay, because yeah. I think that, that could be the, the fact that, yeah, the polyamory brings that out in them, or it just could be that because it's a fringe idea at the moment, mm. fringe insane people are just attracted to that where, and, and conscientious, you know, um, hardworking people just want to do the mainstream thing that's true so that's that's, true. that's all i'll add that's all i'll add but yes uh subscribe on apple Podcasts and spotify if you haven't already that was uh that was neil and jordan latest